Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, football fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL podcast, episode number 424. Wow, we're just cruising along here. It's almost, what, March? March is this Sunday. Isn't it Sunday? Yeah, March is Sunday. And, uh, geez, that means April. Um, I was talking with um, uh, the director of marketing for the BC Lions today, and she said the coaches are reporting next week. Next week. The coaches are are are, are going to be in the training facility and getting ready, start to get ready for the season. That's it, guys. This is it. It's rolling. We're happening. It's actually going to happen. It's it's happening soon. What did we see? Uh, Todd posted something the other day about a hundred days before first playoff or before the first games played. Uh, wow, we got football coming. This is exciting. Free agency is like three weeks ago now, and uh, still some big names out there. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. I got an agenda here from Charles somewhere. What else are we going to talk about here? Uh, free agents, Bo Mitchell, Bo Levi Mitchell, the Argos, John Murphy, making silly statements. Uh, currently, oh, the, the president of the CFLPA, that's going to be a worthy discussion, isn't it? Uh, not, three non-playoff teams. Oh, yeah, there were three non-playoff teams. BC Lions are one of those. I hate that. Notice that most of these articles today were all on Three Down Nation. They seem to be the only one that's writing stories right now about the CFL, even though they're most of it's just clickbait. Uh, okay, let's just uh, move on. Oh, Halifax. We get to talk about Halifax and Randy's road trip. Cool. Very cool. Um, tonight on the show, we've got uh, Phil Miller, Charles Cliff, and uh, Will McDonald. And I'm opening up the mics and introducing them right now. Phil, welcome to the show, buddy. How you doing? Hey, thanks, Chris. It's good to be back after a few weeks of being away and Really, yeah. sort of missed out on on some CFL talk after that little squirt after free agency. Yeah, yeah. I mean, geez, where have you been? Well, I've been tied up, tied up with you know your life's responsibilities. I haven't been tied up. I miss that. Okay. Uh, well, welcome to the show. How you doing, buddy? You you just always have to go there, don't you? I mean, come on. It's who I am, bro. It's who I am. You know, it's pretty interesting. I've been listening to a bunch of stuff lately, and one of the biggest things I hear is about, uh, you know, we are letting players go to the XFL, and and it's going to hurt the CFL, and blah, 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 blah. And I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. Well, and, we do have a segment I, on that tonight. No, and we don't. I, I, yeah, we do. do we? Yeah, we do. No, we have segment a segment seven. on if they should be able to come back and play. Yeah. Well, it kind of goes all together. Yeah. Oh, we can talk okay. about anything to do with the XFL. Okay. I, 
I, I don't want to give them too much time or attention, but I, I think that the, it's a realistic possibility, and I don't really see a problem with it. So we're going to get to segment seven. We'll talk about the XFL, not necessarily what the league has done and doing down there because I couldn't get shit, but how it affects the CFL. And you can bring up anything at, under that subject banner. Yeah, Are you okay with that? Or do you want to do it now? Because we can do it right now. No, no, I'll just be quiet then right now, okay, and say I'm having a wonderful day. No, no, that's fine. (laughs) We need to talk about other things first. And I'll collect my thoughts. No, we do. We do. I don't think these segments are in any particular order. I don't want to mess with Charles' agenda. I don't care. I don't put them in them. order. I just, I pretty yes, much you write really them in. Care, I, Charles. No, he, I put them in as I find them. It doesn't matter what order we do them in. Who cares? He he really doesn't take this personally. I'm, I'm pretty. I sure don't about even care. I know Charles. If we do all of them. Yeah. No. Okay. He, he's just helping we'll me out by giving me subject matters. To. You know, if you guys want to add something to this agenda, you know, we don't have to have a vote on it. Just just say I want to bring this subject up and go at it. Right? It's it's it's. Why not? Absolutely. What we do, and half the time Absolutely. we we're we're not we're off subject most of the time, you know. Shit, mm-hmm. we're off subject right now. Um, Charles, yes. welcome to the show, buddy. Yes, I'm doing well. Thank you for the agenda. We, in, in any yes, particular if, order. If we deviate one second, I'll be crushed. No, I actually I could care less. We 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 I just do that to give us something to talk to. If we talk about other stuff, I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and and I appreciate the efforts that you put into it. Believe me, I do. But I hate it when I've got nothing to talk about and I'm scrambling around looking for subject matters, and then every, all I get is dead silence from the other end from you guys. So, uh, no offense. Uh, I love the I love the agenda. You do a great job. Sometimes it's well, funny as hell. Here's a question. But here's a question, and and we can take a poll on this. Um, Between the four of us. Watching. Yes. We've all been okay. watching Rod Black for a number of years, okay? I remember not, a, not on Black purpose. Was, I remember Rod Black when I was a young man in Winnipeg, and and he was a pretty good looking dude, okay, in his younger years. What happened? Does he drink too much? Because he hasn't aged well whatsoever. And the reason I bring this up. Is I've got my TV I, I, on right I'm now. Curious. I'm totally curious. I'm just yeah, I'm not sure where this is my, going. My, my my TV is muted right now, and Rod Black is doing a basketball thing, and I'm look, sitting here looking at it like, man, that dude has not aged well. He used to have hair. He used to have a nice thick black mustache. He used to he used to hang out at the bar I used to hang out with. And, but that was the '70s when that big mustache, right? No, the that Tom was Selleck the '80s. That was the eight, and 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 he he used to hang out with Dave Babich, a former NHL player, and they he yeah, used I know to Dave. get to meet all kinds of girls. So, you know, what can I say? I, he just has. I don't think he well. gets to meet many girls now. I don't. I think it's a forced thing, but um, um, I'm not gonna go there. I think he might drink. He looks like a drinker. I'm just gonna so, put so that out there. So you think substance abuse is, mm. it, it has added more years to his his life than he really oh, has? Oh, oh, absolutely. Okay, I'm just I'm not confirming. Guy. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there, man. 
I gotta say, I'm curious if there's been any time in Canada or anywhere in the world, for that matter, where anyone has had this in depth of a conversation about Rod Black. Well, you know, I just thought I'd give maybe it a not even in his tonight. house. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it'd be a little twist tonight because well, most people are Rod Black haters, okay? Yeah. And I just yeah. thought I'd you know put a little well you know thing on it, Charles. Here at yep. Let's Talk CFL podcast, we break down barriers and go where no other true. podcast has gone before. Absolutely. And, and if if Sounds Will to wants me. to talk about how excited he was we about Ross Black's mustache from the 80s, we're going to let Will do that. I'm going to Because it was kind of like a porn star thing, wasn't it? It yes, was. It was. Yeah, we I are remember. the USS Enterprise of the podcast world. We are. Okay, so there you go. Yeah. Are, are you talking about the Star Trek thing, or are you talking about the actual That's aircraft carrier? Talking about the Star Trek thing, man. No. Never been a Star Trek fan. Never. I always thought it was silly and ridiculous. You know, there's some holes in your life that I just can't figure out, so I'm just not going to go down there, okay? Down that road, okay? Well, huge Star Wars fan, okay? But Star Trek always yeah, seemed to... Yeah, I know. You know you know the difference between them is is Star Wars is science fantasy, and Star Trek is science fiction. Science fiction. And yep. You know you will. The problem is is that Star Wars fans know that this is a fantasy. Star Trek fans think the shit's real. I mean, there's people out there yes. who can actually talk Klingon. Okay. And I. I don't know anybody I, who can talk Wookie. Yeah, but don't forget me and me and Phil. Live Phil very close to a town. Phil and I live very close to a town called Vulcan. Okay. Yeah. So like, I, we're automatically Star Wars fans. Star Trek. And there's a great, there's there's a great greasy spoon burger place right across the street from Vulcan. And whenever I'm that way, I always have to stop. So. Yeah. Right and and as far as now, I I'm not a Star Wars expert. I do watch the movies. I haven't watched the last two, but from a lot of my Star Wars fanatical friends, they tell me the last two were not very good. Okay? Just going to put that out there. Well, I haven't seen the last Star Wars movie, The End of the Jet and of Skywalker, whatever it's called. But uh right. we'll we'll see see what happens. Anyhow, I think we're okay. grossly off topic now. This is a yes, football podcast and a Canadian football podcast. So let's go back to the agenda because this is where I always my fallback thing to. And three weeks in, and there's still significant free agents available. Our players left facing significant pay decreases. Depends on who the player is, but I would have to say that the majority of players out there that are still not signed have to be worried about what going on with the um, teams that are out there and their management situation. And yeah, it's, it's not going to happen and it's not going to end well for a lot of people. Personal opinion. Like, I mean, Darrell Walker, do we really think he's going to come out with $275,000 for a receiver this year? No, I don't. I think he's going to end up in the in the one eighty to two hundred thousand dollar range, and I think he's going to jet over to the XFL, pick up seventy five grand, and try to come back to the CFL for two hundred thousand. Um, 
is that realistic? Well, we're going to talk about that later on. But, yeah, he's not going to make the money he did last year. He should have signed on day one. He should have picked a team and said, hey, I'm here. Talk to me. And that didn't happen. I mean, the biggest money is spent on day one of free agency. There's no question about that. Very rare do you get a high-ticket signing later on, unless you're, you know, you're doing those Willie Jefferson road trips or Enoch Mwamba road trips where they go into every city and say, yeah, I'm available. What do you want to pay me? You know, no, man. And we're going to talk about that courtside with Raptors. Oh, my good Lord. Okay. Um, yeah, let's open this up. Charles, what do you think? Uh, significant pay decreases for the remaining free agents? Do you think they're actually going to find a roster position? Or is this now a wait-and-see for injury? Some maybe. There's a few guys out there, guys like Darrell Walker, that I think will be able to find a roster position, but they're going to find it at a reduced Discount. price. I don't think you're getting nearly as much as you would have if you signed in the first couple of days because, for the most part, the majority uh, of teams have spent their free agency dollars. They've gone somewhere, and that that's a danger. If you hold out, if you're going in too high early on, uh, you are um, probably going to be um, looking – uh, around and having some problems finding it. Now, there are some guys out there who may get try, um, may have to settle for um, training camp tryouts, and some guys, like you said, might just be sticking around for um, um, looking for injuries, injuries next year because uh, we've seen it so many times that the longer you hold out, the less your money is going to get, and the less likely you are to sign. So. These guys out there that are still out there, and there's some significant names uh, that are still available uh, out there. Well, we're like going we to go. We're going to go through them right now. Yeah. So we mentioned one, of course, in Darrell Walker, but to to be honest, um, they're uh, they're probably looking at uh, less money at the very least if they can find somewhere at all. Phil, do you have anything to add to this, or are we going to go through the players? Well, I do have one thing to add. There was there was two uh, um, prominent CFLers last year who were made offers in the $180,000 range during the free agency period and who turned it down uh, to uh, continue to look at NFL possibilities. Both of them signed in uh, in July, and I'm not very prepared on this. I, I should have their names handy. I, I know one of them was uh, uh, the linebacker, uh, was it uh, Mika Awe or Mika Awe? Yeah, yeah. Awe. Uh, that was a, that was offered somewhere in the hundred eighty thousand dollar range, and I forget who the other one was. It was his receiver, and they both uh, ended up signing after training camp for that hundred and ten thousand dollar range. So yep. we do have some history on this. Uh, they both happen to have the same agent, and you guys know who I'm talking about. I I've talked about him on this podcast in the past. Uh, not in always the most positive way, and uh, and you, you can and, say as the dickhead's name if you want. But anyone who isn't signed yet is going to look at a significant drop off come come training camp. That's that's all I got. William. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, anybody who hasn't signed yet, he, they're signing for less money. It's it's obvious that's what's going to happen. 
um, we're looking at that list, and and there's a couple of guys that would be interesting, but I wouldn't think interesting for the right price. And I'm really glad. I'm really glad Derek Dennis signed in the XFL. In the XFL. And he has still has not stopped talking. So, well, I think I he'll be back. Point. I think he considers himself well, no, a no, CFLer, and this so is a hiatus and, for him. I, I'm so sick of listening to him whine and say blah 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 blah. I actually unfollowed him on Twitter today. Yeah, because he just clogs it, up my Twitter. Okay, it's like when people just, leave. The CFL? Yeah. Shut the fuck up and leave it alone. Alex yeah. Singleton was another one that just pissed me off, right? Just you're gone. Okay. Good for you. Goodbye. Don't Shut up. Don't be dissing Alex. Don't be dissing Alex. Alex is a putz. Okay. Alex is still on the board of the Special Olympics in Canada. Okay. Oh, yeah. Number one. And he Why? still comes to Calgary to deal with Special Olympics because it's his thing. Special Olympics is his thing. Okay, and you've got to give the guy kudos for for doing that kind of stuff. Okay, let's roll through this list of uh, available free agents. Of course, we got Darrell Walker at the top. Uh, I don't think he's going to get in there for the 275 range. I don't think any receiver no, should be getting 275. We have had that discussion already. Um, so we'll see what happens. Number two there is Ryan Bomban. He was released by the month to avoid an off-season uh, roster bonus. Um, g- great guard. Uh, he's a national. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't been picked up. Uh, he, he can play I'm, with just about any team, so I don't know what the big deal there is. Go ahead, Will. I was going to say the same thing. I'm surprised yeah. nobody's picked him up. Obviously, yeah. I think he wants too much money. He, well, he obviously wants too much money, or he'd be on somebody's roster. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your house sells. It uh, looks like it will sell. You have to price it right. You have to find a person who's willing to pay it. That's the bottom line. Uh, if it doesn't sell, you're overpriced. Number three, yep. Sean Lemon. Uh, who's a, who's a surprised about Sean being uh, still a free agent? I'm not. Um, I'm not. I, I I don't. There's not a lot of teams out there that want him. So I'm a little little hesitant to say something like that. He's currently looking at the XFL, it, just in the simple fact that that's uh, people are looking for him, so that's where he's going. The well, bones- I'm very surprised. You know, the thing about Sean Levin I, is I think he always outprices himself because he's always looking for money. That's why he left Calgary. That's why yada, 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 yada. But I think there's a guy who – he might come back sometime down the road because a team's going to find a lack of pass rush, and he's going to be the perfect guy to help him out for a while. He did that for BC two years in a row, right? Yeah, absolutely. He's had 20 sacks in two years, so yeah. that's got to be up there. So, Sean, Sean Lemon, in my mind, fits a very simple defensive system. And in the CFL... We're starting to see more and more complex defensive systems, uh, particularly in, in, in the era of a Willie Jefferson, where defensive ends want, are used to drop back into coverage. And that's just something that Sean Lemon isn't. He's a pure pass rusher. 
And there are less and less uh, uh, defenses in the league that can use a bounce for Sean Lemon. Well, something about a, a downhill train that's not a bad thing. Right? That's true. Yeah. He's 31 okay. years old, so I don't know what kind of shot he's got in the XFL. Yeah, exactly. So, but I mean, he he is a he is a beast, and so we'll see what happens. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in BC. I really wouldn't. I'd be fine but, with that because I thought he played extremely well when he, he was did. here the last two seasons. He did. He did. I don't. So we'll see. Very. I'd be more than fine with that. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Luke Tasker, Hamilton Ticats last year, receiver, uh, twenty nine years old. He's not as old as I thought he was. Uh, you know, but uh, injuries the last couple of years haven't uh, been well for him. So I'm not so I'm not overly shocked with Luke Tasker being off the thing. Uh, here's another one: Anthony Thompson, BC Lions, cornerback, uh, safety. Uh, just pr- another guy that's just priced himself out of the marketplace. You know, he he would have a job if he. Uh, you're you're a cornerback. I mean, it, seriously. You can't be asking for the moon. Mm-hmm. You know, younger, faster, cheaper. Um, Chris, Dave, that's Dave one on, name on the list. Sorry, I'm sorry. What? That, no, what's that? Chris, I think I think that's one name on the list that is going to find himself a home, and not far, not as far below the market value that he's got himself priced at as some of the other people on this list. He, you know, he's he's a non-import uh, defensive back. Uh, always a value in this league. He's played corner. That's that's a testament to his to his skills. Uh, so what, I think Anthony Thompson is he'll take less of a discount than some of the people we're talking about. You're correct. I mean, a, a national a Canadian on the defense is a rarity in most teams. Um, yeah, I don't have a problem with him. I would like to see him back in BC. I'm sure that pretty much any team would pick this guy up. Why isn't he working? He's asking too much money. And if he becomes realistic, then uh, I'm sure he'll be sitting on a on a roster in no time at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, going to go through the rest of these real quick. Uh, Davon Coleman, uh, C.J. Gable. Uh, Gable's talking about retirement. Mike Jones, receiver with the Tie Cats, another national. Cameron Marshall, another Tie Cat. Seems to be a lot of Tie Cats here. Uh, Thaddeus Coleman, uh, offensive tackle for the Riders last year. David Fulcott, BC Lions, uh, guard, offensive tackle. Malachi Harris, another BC Lions linebacker. Uh, Brandon Bridge, quarterback, BC Lions. Uh, Anthony Orange, uh, former BC last year, he was in the Eskimos. Uh, here's and a little one. Surprises one. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey Greenwood, Calgary Stampeders linebacker, national. That one's kind of a He'll shocking a thing. He's going to find He'll a find home, a but is is he priced himself out of the marketplace? If he hadn't priced Corey himself Greenwood? out of the marketplace, would he still be with Calgary? Probably. Well, they they say he's debating. Yeah. Whether he should pack it in or not. So. Could be. He took an injury discount in 2019 to sign with the Stampeders, and the, and the Stampeders it, uh, actually it 
turned out to be one of the best off-season signings of a Canadian during the 18-19 off-season. Without so he's, been in Calgary since, he's been in Calgary since 2018, Phil. Oh, sorry, sorry. Then I guess 17, 18. Yeah, sorry. Right. He just didn't play much in 18. No, because Alex Singleton was still here. Uh, okay, now going down the list, we got a, a center guard, Spencer Wilson from the Alouettes, Chris Matthews, receiver last year with the Alouettes, uh, Jamal Westerman, Ticat, defensive end, Deron Carter. Are we surprised that Deron Carter is not signed by anybody yet? I would have thought no. that he'd be in the XFL by now. I thought he would have been signed already in, in Canada to yeah. $250,000, $300,000. Oh, he's a two-way up. player. He's a two-way player. No sarcasm yeah. at all. None. None whatsoever. Uh, Jesse Joseph, uh, Edmonton Eskimos DE. Uh, another quarterback, Jonathan Jennings. Jonathan Jennings is somebody who needed to go down to the XFL to reprove himself, but I guess nobody down there wanted him. Uh, Calvin McCarty, uh, Edmonton Eskimos fullback, national. That's a little bit off the base. Uh, Odell Willis. Jay Laganga, Eric Stryker, uh, Junior Turner, uh, Tyler Holmes, Freddie Bishop, Martise Jackson, Travis Bond, Ivan McClellan, Rodney Smith, Marcus Ball, Rashaw Simone, Simonese. 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 I was just going to say, I've gone through this list quite well in, in pronouncing all of these guys' names. So it's so the guys with normal names that are, oh, been, no. uh, are free agents right now, and all the fucked-up names are uh, got jobs. Uh, Jeff Heck, Nate Bahar, hmm. Romer Morris, Manny Arsenault. Manny's done. Uh, Jabbar Westerman. So both Westermans are unemployed right now. Uh, and Ryan Lankford, uh, kick receiver, kick returner receiver with the BC Lions last yep. year. One good uh, game and did nothing after that. Yeah. You know, I'm not surprised at anybody on this list. I mean, shit, some of them I don't even know who they are. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not overly shocked about anybody here. I mean, there's a couple that I know are going to hit roster spots. Anthony Thompson's definitely one of them. Yeah. And Darrell Walker's going to find a spot at some point. I still believe that. Yeah, Darrell Walker, if he stays in the CFL, he's he's here. He's going to find a hole. And before training camp. And I'm pretty sure that Sean Lemon will as well. But, you know, we'll see how that flies out. But otherwise, yeah, I don't... this list is not nothing to write home about. It's not going to say, oh, wow, we've, we've saved a, a huge chunk of salary cap for this. No, you're going to save some salary cap. It better be for the NFL cuts. Can, can Will offer anything about Romar Morris and, and, uh, and that Canadian defensive tackle, uh, Turner, in, yeah. in Calgary? Yeah, what, they're what free agents. They're free agents. Nobody's going to sign them because – Romar Morris, uh, remember he was out for 14 months. The first game he from a torn Achilles tendon, he came out in his first game and he tore his other Achilles tendon. So he's probably a Labor Day guy, tops. 
Okay. Um, Junior Thurman, uh, he got hurt at the beginning of last season. He did not play at all last season, and I don't know what his status is now. Um, Marcus Ball, same thing. Calgary brought him in the near the end of the season last year. He uh, he tore his knee up in the first game he played in. So those guys aren't really true free agents. I guess they don't have contracts, but nobody's going to sign them with their injuries right now. So, thanks. And I would think that I would. I don't know how does that work, Christopher. If you know, if you're hurt for the Calgary Stampeders and your contract expires, are you still not responsible for them? You, you are still responsible for them. Okay, so they're technically not really free agents, I would assume. I don't know why they're on the list. Well, they're, they're, they're free agents. agents. So. No, they're, they're free agents. If their contract has expired, they're free agents, but the Calgary Stampeders are still responsible for their medical bills or their medical side of things until another team signs them. And, okay. and or a two-year period has elapsed. Okay. Because the last CFLPA, it was extended from one year to two years, if I believe if that's correct. I could be mistaken on that one, but I somewhere back in a little – that, that, that sticks in my mind for some reason. Christopher, do you know, are those uh, medical bills a responsibility of the individual teams, or is that money pooled uh, within the CFL? That that I have no idea of. Um, I don't. And you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, it it would be covered by workers' compensation. Um, but I I don't know whether it's just the general medical or whether there is a special medical policy that's taken out by each team or by the league. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, let's face it; these guys are hurt on the job. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 it, it's a subject that I haven't really uh, drilled into very much to to figure out what's going on. Anyhow. Okay. Let's move on from this subject here because I I don't think the free agency free agency's over with. It's it's just literally it's over. You're pretty much down to table scraps now. Yeah. Sorry, I'll change that. You're down to Darrell Walker and table scraps. Because I don't want to call Darrell Walker table scraps because he's better than that. You know, and, but he's going to take less money. Consists of some pretty decent offensive linemen that could sign anywhere. Yeah, so. I think that's fair. Paying receivers uh, in the two hundred thousand plus range a year in the CFL is, is folly, in my opinion. Yeah, I I I, I don't disagree either. Okay. But, okay, we're done with this one. We're moving on. Bo Levi Mitchell says he hopes to start throwing by April after having off-season surgery. Should the Stampeders be concerned about his ability to start the season? I am not at all sure why the Calgary Stampeders would have let Nick Arbuckle go. 
knowing that their number one $725,000 a year quarterback may not be ready to start the season. Because Nick Arbuckle was going to be a free agent and they weren't going to spend $425,000 on a backup. You can change, you can spend $450,000 on a backup until the beginning of the season. And as soon as the season starts, you can release him or you can trade him. Right. Okay. And if the start of the season comes out and both gone to the sixth game because he's not able to start playing football, you've got a $450,000 a year quarterback that's able to take your team, not maybe not to the promised land, but at least to respectability. Okay. And now and, if Bo is able um, to play football, then you can you have options of what to do with Nick Arbuckle. And on that note, I have also heard from a very, very reliable source that Bo Levi Mitchell is already throwing the ball. Yeah, throwing the ball and seriously throwing the ball would be two different things. And I know that's well, a Well, no, fact, but you guys... You gotta you gotta start you gotta start small before you can go big. I, with without question, without question, I'm aware of that, and that's why he says that he's going to be able to do it by April. He's going to be able to throw the ball the way that he needs to throw the ball. Um, so we'll see what happens. I I just I, I, you know what I just the, don't the see scariest... why they would have left themselves with their pants down. Well. Um... I don't know. I don't know if this, if well, I can't remember when he got operated on. So, I, I'm sure. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Out of every team in the CFL currently, Calgary's quarterback situation scares me. Yes. With the exception, with the exception of or with the exception of uh, Toronto. Okay. So. Well, they do have – well, Matt Nichols is, doesn't know if he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season either. So I I am scared of that So because I don't – you know, um, Calgary's backup. They don't really have a current – a guy who's won the second-string job here in Calgary. I guess Montel Cozart is it automatically since their number two is gone, and he was yeah. their number three last year. So – Yes. Well, I mean, the Lions aren't in any different shape right now, right? They're not sitting pretty like the Hamilton Tiger Cats with uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli and Dane Evans. You mean the super team? The super team, yeah. We'll get to that one, too. I, I They've got a good quarterback pair, right? Yeah. Without question, they do, right? I mean, who did the Bombers sign the other day? For a quarterback, they've got um, Zach Caleros, and who's backing him up? Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Mahubi Habi. Yeah, Mahubi Habi or whatever the hell his name is. I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little bit more concerned about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers' depth at quarterback than I actually am about the Calgary Stampeders' depth. Uh, I actually think uh, Hoffnagel did a good job bringing in Dakota Prukop and uh, and retaining Montel Cozart because at least that gives them a couple of, of prospects that that offensive types around the league have uh, 
have identified is maybe maybe some guys that could show some spark. And uh, in the event that uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is not ready to go for week one, it'll certainly be interesting in Calgary with uh, those two young guys as, as possible starters for week one. We're in uh, Winnipeg. Of course, we have the same fear that we had in Saskatchewan last year of, uh, of uh, a, a, an off-injured quarterback being starter without having really a backup that is has been identified seasoned as uh, a seasoned backup as being a season uh, with any seasoning. Not that Ozart and uh, Krukop have a, a lot of, but with any seasoning. It, it's Sean McGuire is the backup for the Winnipeg Bears. There we go. Rovers. I knew okay. what his name was. And he didn't touch the ball last year. No, he did not touch the ball last year. So, yeah, I'm not overly jumping up and down about the the solidification of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, oh, well, they're going to win the cup on defense, right? They needed three quarterbacks last year. They needed three quarterbacks last year. They only got one of them left. Well, no, no, no. Don't forget that 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 uh, that Canadian superstar. He'll just run with the ball. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Chris Trevler. Yeah, the legend yes. up in Canada. The legend of Canada. The yes. legend, Chris Trevler. Yeah. They they actually may see him back. They might. I, I honestly don't see him sticking in the NFL. I don't see him sticking in the NFL. And personally, I think he's going to lo- the guy who signed him is going to lose his job. <laughs> okay, uh, well, segment no. three. No, for somebody who turns no, around and says nobody wants the job in Arizona. Okay, <laughs> that was funny. Okay, Toronto Argonauts Vice President of uh, Player Personnel, John Murphy, who I actually respect a little bit in this league, is trying to sell the benefits of playing in Canada's largest city by saying you can't sit courtside at the Raptors game in any other city. That is the fucking lamest argument I have ever heard. Okay? I, I'm sorry. Absolutely lame. You're you're trying to get players to come to your team. You're supposed to be building a culture in your team, not in some other league, in some other sport. I don't care if you can sit courtside at the Raptors game. That is not a reason in which to go and play football in Toronto. Having a a quality quarterback, having an O-line, having a plethora of receivers, having a defensive backfield, having a D-line. These things would make me want to go play for a team. Not being able to sit courtside at basketball. What a stupid sport that is anyhow. I'm sorry. I just I cannot believe how dumb this sounds to me. It's got to sound stupid to everybody else. William. I, I got to go to you. Well, you know, I know that's a big thing for someone, people to sit courtside. 
okay, at a Raptors game. But I can listen to rap music at home, so I don't care. Okay? Because I've never... I used to be a basketball fan. I'm not a basketball fan anymore. But you should be selling your own team. Okay? And if that's how you attract players, then you're in trouble already. But you never know. Some of these guys might be interested in that. Just saying. Because entry level, entry level CFL salary, you probably can't afford courtside tickets at a Raptors game. So, just say it. Oh no, I think it, I think the Argos actually have a set of courtside Raptors seats. Well, I know, so, so they can put. Yeah, same company. Yeah. So they 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 can they have their own little group there. So, uh, but that but doesn't mean that they're going to give them to some special team player. Right. Of course not. So, yeah, I, I think that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, pretty much. Yeah. Anybody else want to add to that one? Yeah, no. honestly. Oh, go ahead, Charles. If you were if you're a player that actually would go to Toronto for that reason, I don't think I'd want you on my team anyways. Because uh, you you don't have any proper judgment. I mean, when you're talking about a team trying to recruit players, if that's your best argument to try and get players into your team, then you don't have an argument. It's ridiculous. You don't. Uh, It just sounds sounds foolish. And it it, it honestly makes the... um, it honestly makes the Toronto Argonauts seem like so minuscule. Like, talk about making. This is how we attract players. We ask them to. Uh, we tell them you can get courtside seats at the Raptors. That's your argument for free agents to sign with you. Come on. Ridiculous. You know, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for John Murphy. And uh, I had a little fun making fun of him on social media over these comments as well. However, if you're looking at at American football players, half of the American football players that comes out, out of the NCAA, if they had a choice of what professional sport they would have played, because the NBA is the growing league amongst young sports fans in the U.S., not counting soccer, but of the big three, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA. The NBA is the growing one amongst young people. Uh, let's face it, these football players are young people. And when I listen to, to uh, player interviews and they talk about their personal life and what they do with their personal life, NBA is a big part of what they talk about. For most of them. So, Don Murphy coming out and saying that, I think is really good local marketing for MLSE as far as trying to attract players to their market and making Toronto an attract place for free agents to to land again. That's my two cents. Oh, I can add one more thing. You know... MLSC probably should have taken Walker 
to a couple of those playoff games last spring before the season started. Uh, because I bet you what, they haven't taken Daryl Walker to sit in the front row at a Raptors game. Do you honestly think that's going to make players stay in a city because they can go to a courtside game and a basketball game? Did, it didn't work for Willie Jefferson. He went courtside no, of the Raptors true. game and signed in Winnipeg. Yeah, exactly. Good point. That's a good point. Enoch Mwamba, they took him courtside at the Raptors game, and he signed with the Alouettes. But they could use this, that this is basically let's go to let's go to Toronto and rape him for whatever we can, and then get out of Dodge. It's like me going over to Cal Tire to pick up some popcorn, even though I'm not buying tires. I also think it makes the Argos franchise sound smug, just the way he said it. True. In 1985, there was a, a Canadian or, or a American defensive tackle who played with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 1984, and he signed as a free agent or was traded, asked for, asked for a trade to, uh, to Toronto right after the beginning of the 1985 season, and the Riders granted him that. Uh, when interviewed by the Leader Post, uh, and I wish I could remember his name, he said, you can only go to the old gold so many times. That was Regina's only nightclub that played music that young American black men were, were interested in at the time. It was basically a, a stage two disco in the 1980s. And, and, and that point resonated with, with football players and young uh, black American football players in particular. Uh, their agents would repeat that to them a lot when they considered going to Saskatchewan. Just, just throwing that out there. Well, what did Ed Ganey say last year? It says Regina is a fucking boring city. And then he re-signed. Yeah. Yep. And, and Ed's a little older and a little more mature. But, yeah, but, but I, I just want to clarify something, Phil. You said a, a, a second-tier disco. Did When was this, in the 80s? Yeah, by second-tier, I mean, sorry, uh uh, like, uh, by, like by 1980s, uh, discos that were still operating were did, like version did, two of discos. Not, not. Did they two. have electricity in Regina in 1980? <laughs> you should have seen how that place was lit up. It was right across was from the Sand Hotel in South Albert, and that place you know, had more lights than Vegas on the outside of it. It looked like a casino. Okay, Phil, here, here's, here's something that's always confused me about Regina and, and, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their fans is that it's a religion in the, in the province of, of Saskatchewan, right? We, football is a religion over there. We know that. Um, it's like being in Texas. The, everybody wears green. Why don't they cater more to these people? These people didn't mean it that way, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and 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 do something for them for their entertainment value in the city. And why do when they go to par, uh, bars do they get harassed and and by other other people patrons obviously who are not football fans because they would never harass their own football team. But then why doesn't other fans of the football team stick up for them? And why are they the ones that getting into these fights? I, you know, it's like the whole Taj Smith thing. Uh, why did that even get to that point in time? Well, you know, this fight's it's, happened it's at 1 a.m. Like, on Sydney Avenue. 
Right. So why are they on Dudney Avenue at 1 a.m.? Because there's nowhere else to be. Well, because that's where all the hot, that's where all the clubs are. That's the fun spots in Regina. Okay, I'm just going to plead ignorance on this and, and move on. Okay, uh, I think it's a dumbass comment by John Murphy, yeah. and uh, I, I don't see it actually working. Okay, there are currently four men seeking the election as the new president of the Canadian Football League Players Association, including Saskatchewan Rough Riders linebacker Solomon Aluminian, longtime Stampeder strongside linebacker Keon Raymond, Canadian Augustin Barracuda, and Peter Dykowski. Who do you think has the inside track and should it matter if they're Canadians? I don't believe it matters if they're Canadians, although if if we're going to start discussing the ratio, you you kind of want to have a Canadian in, in, in there. But I, I don't think the president has as much control or much power over it as what the board does. I think he's more of a figurehead, so I don't think it really matters whether he's a Canadian or American. Uh, I think the front runner out of all of this should be Peter Dykowski, personally. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. The Keon Raymond, and after some of the shit that he said or that's in this article that's that's out on him, he, he, he's dumber than a sack of shit. I, I, I can't see him actually he sounded like a anybody moron. voting for him. What's that, Charles? I was going to say he I heard like him such on. such a moron. Yeah. I heard him well, on a podcast a little while ago, and he sounded quite intelligent. Well, not his comments, they don't. Well, no, I didn't hear those comments about running. I just heard the other day that he was trying to run for the top of it. He did win the, uh, he did win the national senior men's, what, what do they call it, Phil? National... Uh, it's the old timers football league in Alberta. Oh, or yeah. the senior I league. Two, I have two friends that, that play in Red Deer in that league. Right. And and so he won the me. national he won the national championship last year. He was the head coach. So And that's not was bad with for, one of the Calgary teams? With, with the Calgary Club? No, here? I think no, I don't I'm not sure. I think it was Calgary, but it could have been Red Deer. You actually know guys who still play football, Phil, at your age? Yeah, in fact, uh, well, you know, because I'm pretty fit, so I I worked at some pretty physical jobs with some much younger guys. But uh, I know uh, Mm. one person in particular who's a defensive tackle um, with the uh, Red Deer, sorry, is this your Rebels, Red Deer... uh, uh, coming to me, um, and actually got a chance in 2018 to finally play, or 2019, 18, I believe, to finally play on the same football team as his son when his son graduated high school. They got a chance to play together. You see that in senior hockey. You don't hear about that in football very often. Yeah. I'm just digging for where did he coach last year because I thought it was the Red Deer team, to be honest with you. I'm going to ask him if it's okay if I give him a shout-out. No, I'll give him, I'm going to give him a shout-out anyway. Kerry Lynch. 
Okay. Um, so we're just going to move this one right along. I, I I don't know. Who do you think's the front runner there, Will? Dijakowski. Dijakowski? Right? He's an offensive lineman, isn't he? Yep. Is he? Or I thought he was an offensive lineman. Could be. He was with Hamilton. Guys. He won the Jeopardy thing, wasn't it? Smartest man They've in Canada. Smart competition. Yeah, it. He, he's almost as smart as Deron Carter. They got similar Wonderlick scores. Oh God. That's it. I'm moving on. Uh, where are we here? Segment oh, don't five. Don't I get to tell my Don't I get to tell my Wonderlick story? I've asked you if for any comments in here, and you didn't come up okay. with it. So you really want to tell the well, Wonderlick I'm story? You, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay. I I I, I was. I, this guy I hired, he had the highest Wonderlick score I've ever seen in my life. Okay? And he lasted two weeks because he was a total moron. That's all I'm going to say. Anyways. What, what is the highest Wonderlick? What, what was his score? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, 160. Oh, oh, his IQ. Okay, when you you transferred it. No, it wasn't his IQ. It wasn't his IQ. His Wonderlick goes up to 49. Say that again? Wonderlick goes up to 49. Okay, then it was... Well, no, it doesn't go up to 49 because I got 123 on it. No, that must be an IQ test. Unless you can convert it. Maybe you can convert Wonderlicks to IQ. Okay, whatever. I'm sure there's versions of them. Well, sorry, Wonderlick goes to 50, but I say 49 because nobody nobody scores 50. Well, who, Anyways, who was it that was all, all being uh, proud about his Wonderlick score? Was it Andrew Harris or who was it? I think it? so, yeah. I don't know. Is that something to be proud about? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I had a high IQ test. I don't tell anybody about it. It's bullshit. I don't believe in it. Okay. Um, which of the three non-playoff teams have made the biggest improvements? So we're talking about the Montreal Alouette. No, we're talking about oh. the we're talking about the Ottawa, Ottawa Red Blacks, the BC. Toronto Argonauts, and the BC Lions. Of those three teams, who has made the greatest strides towards respectability? Phil, you start us off. I can tell you for sure it's not the Ottawa Red Blacks. Nope. I think that's pretty safe to say. I think I don't think any of us would say it's them. Between Toronto and BC, I wish I was more prepared, but through free agency and watching what Toronto had done, uh, I thought Toronto did a pretty good job through free agency. So I, I am gonna I'm gonna go with the Argonauts. Okay. Um, I I don't want to change this up because I'm a Lions fan, but I'm gonna look at it from another point of view. Um, the BC Lions last year and the Toronto Argonauts last year 
who needed to make the biggest changes? <laughs> Both. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing, BC had over Toronto. The BC had two things over Toronto. They had a, they had a quarterback. Uh, Mike Riley, Mike Riley, and Brian Burnham. But Toronto also did have Darrell Walker last year, so. You can't, and they you don't have on this year. Quarterback, quarterback was the difference. Quarterback was okay. the difference, right? And which is a huge part in the CFL. It's a big position. Yes, it is. Yes, okay. it is. But both of them had to make wholesale changes because they were horrible. Yep. Okay. I don't agree. I'm not disagreeing. I'm not, not in any way, shape, or form. So I, I if I I'm had just to thinking. Pick, I think I that the, the alliance dealt with the majority of their soft spots, where Toronto had to deal with everything because everything was a soft spot on that team. Well, a lot of people might say that about BC as well. I don't think the receiving core in BC hurt last year. I don't think that the quarterback was in a difficult position last year. They they've dealt with their their D line. Yes, they dealt was. with their O line. He was always looking up to the sky, okay, because he was on his back. So right. That was a difficult position. So they 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 filled the. They improved the O line. Did they improve it enough? Not in my opinion. They improved the D line, which yes, in my opinion, was was great up upgrades. I don't know. I, I'm, well, I'm comfortable and, with the direction that the BC wanna... Lions are gone. I don't know if I would be comfortable as a Toronto Argonaut fan. How's that? For I mean, if you if you take if you take the whole thing, the whole organization, then BC, I think BC has it because they upgraded their coaching staff big time from what they had last year, and I yeah, don't I think that's part think, of it too. I don't think Toronto did. Because correct me if if I'm wrong, Toronto of course signed Brian Dinwiddie. Is his As OC head coach. not? Uh, is his OC not? What's his What's his not? Is it McAdoo? No. Who is their OC then? I it's, thought uh, it was. Ma- Where did McAdoo Jacques go? In, in Toronto, Jacques Chapdelaine. Jacques Chapdelaine. Jacqueline. Really? Okay, yeah. then BC wins hands down. Based on no, coaching no, staff. no, 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 no. That's not true. I don't correct. think that's right. No, the offensive well, coordinator and quarterback coach is Jarius Jackson. Okay. In BC. No, in Toronto. In Toronto. In Toronto. Oh, going that's right. Jarius Jackson did go there. Jarius Jackson is the offensive coordinator in Toronto. That's Where right. McAdoo go? Where did McAdoo go? McAdoo is in Toronto, but he's the offensive line coach. Oh, yeah. okay. I, d- I didn't know that. But if it's, if that's your... Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I have a hard time saying that any team that hired Jarius Jackson as their offensive coordinator has gotten better. I have to agree. 
But Jackson's Jackson been a tremendous quarterback coach. Yeah, there's a difference between being a quarterback coach and an offensive coordinator, though. Ryan Dinwiddie is going to change their staff and help their offense, but you can't compare him to BC coaches because he's got no experience whatsoever. Yep. But with Jackson and, and and now the uh, an offensive coordinator with a lot of experience being the offensive line coach and Dinwiddie's um, – supposed to be the second coming of John Hoffnagel and Dave Dickinson as far as offensive minds go in the CFL. Things are looking up for the Argonauts. Well, they are looking up, but I don't think they're on par with BC. Christopher, what do we got in BC? What, do you, what have you got coming up on your offensive staff in 2020? Well, you got Rick Campbell's the head coach. You got uh, Jordan uh, Masimic as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Jason Tucker's the wide receiver coach. Uh, uh, Bo Walker's the running back coach. Kelly Bates on the offensive line. What can you tell us about Jordan who? And Danny O'Brien is the offensive uh, – an offensive assistant, which he was a quarterback in this for the BC Lions last year. I believe Jordan, um, excuse me, Jordan, uh, Macha- uh, how do you pronounce that last name? I don't want to try to do that. Masimic Ma- um, was also offensive coordinator in Edmonton, so he's worked with Mike Riley before. That's correct. Uh, yeah, as has Jason Tucker, as wide receiver coach. I don't know a lot about Bo Walker. Do you know the running back coach? Um, I got it real quick here. With Bo the Walker name was, Bo Walker, he, he had to be a running back. Uh, he was. It's his first season as a running back coach after spending the last four years with the Ottawa Red Black, three as offensive assistant, and being promoted to the running back coach in 2019. Okay. Uh, Charles, what you mentioned yeah. there about Jordan's affiliation with Mike Riley, do, do you suspect or have sort of a, a feeling, or does anybody else here have a feeling that this, maybe this is going to be Mike Riley uh, as offensive coordinator by proxy? There might be some of that. I, I don't know if I would say by proxy, but I would say that he's got a hell of a lot of input. Yeah, I think so too. Well, I think he probably did last year too. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. When you've got a quarterback making over like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you're going to get his input, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is. Uh, he's making more than the head coach. Exactly. That's precisely what I mean. But who was the OC? It was Jarius Jackson. Yes. Yep, and I'm sorry, I'm not a fan of Jarius Jackson as an offensive coordinator. He's never been able to put together a very good offensive uh, scheme. He never has. No, I wasn't um, impressed. I was not impressed with his play calling last year at all. So, and we know that uh, Mike Riley has had success in the past with Jordan McKismick as his OC. So let's uh, see what he can do again. I still do have concerns with the fact that Rick Campbell is the defensive coordinator as well as the head coach. 
Yes. I honestly think that he should hire some. I mean, he'll have his input, but I personally would have liked it much better to hire an actual defensive coordinator rather than the head coach doing it all. I think it stretches it out too thin, but we'll see. They've got some good guys on defense with Travis Brown, Ryan Phillips, and Leroy Blue uh, coaching the defense, so hopefully those guys can get together and it's uh, not as much uh, all on Rick Campbell. So, To be fair, Charles, adding the title of defensive coordinator to a head coach is, is, is uh, somewhat easier than adding the title of offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I, I I don't necessarily agree with that. And and Chris Jones showed us that if you happen to be a uh, an all star defensive mind, you can actually turn into a very very successful coaching career to carry both those titles. Yeah. He did. I, I, I don't think, know. I, I, I disagree with that statement. I just absolutely disagree with it on both counts is, is that it's easier to be a defensive coordinator than an offensive coordinator as well as a head coach. I don't think you should be either. Um, I think that there, you need to be mentoring people up the line and there, that is a position that you have just skipped over. And it's one of the most important ones. And then you end up with things like Ryan Dinwiddie, who is a, uh, quarterback coach with the Calgary Stampeders and now he's a head coach because he there was no offensive coordinator positions out there for him to go to uh, throughout the natural progression or he would have been the offensive coordinator in BC if he wasn't the head coach in Toronto uh, it just means that Toronto had to scrape the bottom of the barrel to find somebody to be their head coach and there wasn't enough experienced people out there already. Uh, it's just wrong. It's wrong that that position is being taken by somebody else. One person should not hold two titles. Do one thing, focus on it, and do it well. I agree with that. I don't like it either when, when coaches are also the GM. I think it just stretches it too thin. Well, I... I I'm not as hung up on that one because I think that any good GM is going it delegates the majority of the responsibilities and and he just more or less just takes takes a look at things. I, I think that you know it like uh Chris Jones had John Murphy and uh one other guy over there. Um I mean Wally always had a huge plethora of people his staffing around the manager's office was huge mm-hmm. and uh it did well now i think that may ha- not happen so much now that under the salary cap situation where everybody is saying well that guy's got to hold more than one cap hats to keep underneath the cap well when they used to hold more than one cap they had a lot of assistance now you're not allowed to have those assistants so it makes that having that job the second job that much more difficult. Just that's just currently my my opinion on that one. I I, I don't like the idea at all. Coming back to Maximic, uh, he was the Eskimos quarterback coach for three years before. Uh, while Jason Moss was the offensive coordinator, and then when Moss stepped down as the offensive coordinator. 
team that was promoted to that position. So he he has been knee deep in Mike Riley for the last three three to four years. Quarterback coach and passing game coordinator was his title under Moss. I, I, I there's nobody on this depth chart of the BC Lions coaching staff that I dislike. Okay, I'm. I'm not jumping up and down about it because they haven't played a game of football yet. And when they start playing some football, then we'll be able to tell what, what's working and what's not working. Uh, I, I wasn't upset with Brian Chu being the O-line coach, but it didn't take very long for me to be upset with Brian Chu being the offensive line coach. Yeah, that, didn't, uh, that took about half a game, and I was already done with it. Yeah, yeah. When I saw Mike Riley continuously getting buried in that first game against Winnipeg last week, I'm like, this is not good. No. No, and it didn't get any better against Edmonton. It got worse. Yes. Until Joe's a very nice guy. He's a really nice guy, but uh, to quote John Lynch, uh, nice guys run the Kinsman Club. Anyhow, so out of the three non-playoff teams that have made the biggest improvements, don't know. That's yet to be determined. Shall shall we turn this around and ask another question on here? Because I love this. I'm just looking for this one. Which of the three non-playoff teams is most likely to make the playoffs this year? BC. Not to be a homer, but I agree. I would have said Toronto, but with the new playoff format, I believe the BC Lions. We don't have a new playoff format yet. That was definitely a rumor uh, proposal. He said it's possible that it could happen in 2020, but at this point in time, it has not been decided. Well, here I go just reading headlines again and not reading the whole story. Yep. The clickbait didn't work. Yeah. No, it, it's a it's a proposed uh, situation, and I think they what they want to do is after Randy's road trip and gets the input from the stakeholders, uh, they're going to go back and have a discussion about it, and then they will decide what they want to do with the playoff situation and when they want to. When and if they wish to change it, because I think he's getting a lot of flack about this uh, choosing your opponent. Okay, because that's like dumb as that. Well, well, I was going to say with good reason because it's a stupid idea. It's a stupid idea, right? And I don't think it really would change much. I, well, last year it wouldn't have because Hamilton was the number one team, right? So Hamilton would have got to pick their opponent. Well, would you pick Montreal or would you pick the Riders or the, the, the Calgary Stampeders or whoever, right? Who would you pick or the Bombers? I think that would have been the choice, wasn't it? Yeah, bo- Riders were in first yeah. place in the West. Hamilton was in first place in the league. So they would have got yeah. first pick of their appoint, po- opponent. Winnipeg beat Calgary handily and Montreal played Edmonton 
You're going to uh, pick Montreal in that situation. I'm going to pick Montreal every time. So would it have made a difference? It wouldn't have made a difference in the playoff situation last Probably year. Probably not, no. Because not often, though, is the Eastern team the number one team in the league. And I'll guarantee you that a Western team on number one position, Calgary Stampeders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, are going to take an Eastern team every time as their opponent. Why not? Yeah, you're going to make them travel. Yeah, you're going to make them travel. That's just common sense. Mm-hmm. There's a but, potential interesting twist to this. Imagine, gentlemen, that a, a team chooses, has the opportunity to choose their opposition and then loses at home. <laughs> Imagine the impact in some places like Winnipeg, uh, Saskatchewan, and, and Calgary to some point. Uh, oh, there'll, um, there'll be we, a lynch mob in the streets with pitchforks and oh yeah, oh yeah, and the get your team set up. Yeah, yeah, it it could add a lot of interest to, to off-season com- commentary. Which, hey, that's not bad for the CFL. Yeah, I don't know. I, I it, it's a dumbass idea, and why don't you just? flip a coin and one person had said okay so these are the six playoff teams so why don't you draw out of the hat who plays who it's kind of the same thing let's draw to the hat who gets the bye so last year the Edmonton Eskimos who would have been the crossover team or the Montreal Alouettes who are down there in the bottom could have got the bye why not eh it's just a stupid Okay, but maybe nobody wants to play you. Maybe you deserve the buy. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of stupid ideas, Three Down Nation put out an article saying that the Hamilton Tiger Cats are a CFL super team. Okay, I'm not totally sure that the CFL has a, had a super team since the 1978 to 82 Edmonton Eskimos, where they went five straight Grey Cups. Or the 2012 to 2017, 2018 Calgary Stampeders, where they won two Grey Cups and were appeared in three more games. Uh, I, I'm really at a loss as to what Hamilton has done ever in the last what 30 years, 25, 20 years, to justify um, being called a super team. They haven't won a Grey Cup since in this century, this millennial. Millennium. Uh, how can they become a super team? Don't you have to? Don't you have to do something? Don't you? Please, somebody, jump on board here. Well, William. Well, I mean, William. Let let let, let Will go. Just, Keep they're, quiet. they're looking. They're looking at this year's roster, and on paper, they look like a pretty good team. Okay. That's what they're looking at. But as far as a super team, uh, you can put that in the category with uh, Chris Trevler being a Canadian icon, okay? It goes in the same place. Okay? Somebody opened his mouth, and it was stupid what came out of of his mouth. Okay. So last year in the CFL, 
the Ottawa Red Blacks, the Toronto Argonauts, the BC Lions, and for most part, the Montreal Alouettes and the Edmonton Eskimos were pretty much pure garbage. You know, th- there was only one team there that got eight wins. Okay? When you have a league of nine teams, when five of them, five of them are, are, are pathetic, it doesn't take much for the, the top teams to be victorious. Okay, Hamilton, Hamilton fans are out there right now crowing about how many uh, franchise records they set with wins and this and that and everything else. And I go, well, first off, when you've had a franchise many years, setting records doesn't take much. And second, it, it doesn't take much when you've got a league that's full of pathetic teams. I mean, really, there was only four teams last year in the CFL that played respectable football for this entire season. And, and two of them were up and down. I, I, I really have a, 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 an issue with this statement for the simple fact that this was one of the weakest years in the CFL for, for a long time. So somebody had that. better win games. And it, it turned out to be Hamilton. Hamilton beat every Western team. Okay, they built. Well, they beat every team in the league at least once. You know, and, and last year, last year when Hamilton had their thirteenth win of the season, it was it was pretty great because apparently they had never won thirteen games in a season. Okay, and Correct. I was sitting here and. And I was sitting here in Calgary and thinking, 13 wins for the Stampeders is kind of an off year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they were yeah. celebrating 13 wins. Yeah. So, they ended up with 15, which is, yeah. a, is a very respectable season. Absolutely. But, you know, when you've got Edmonton at 8 and 10, and you've got Montreal. Oh, Mo- sorry, Montreal was actually a 10 and 8 team. They were above 500. So that's kind of respectable. But it was in the Eastern Division, and they got to pay Toronto and Ottawa extra times, right? So I don't know. How is this possible? I, I'm not picking on the Eastern Division here. This is not my goal. I'm just saying that Hamilton got 15 wins out of that season because A, they're in the Eastern Division, and B, the entire. Uh, Half of the CFL was was subpar last year. Very rare do we have half of the CFL to be subpar. I mean, you had two out of two out of five teams in the Western Division that were garbage, and that's that's a rarity. Yeah, I mean, I did mention a number of times last year that I thought the CFL was weak last year, and. I didn't think it was a very strong league. No, I did, so, I did not think it was a strong league. So winning 13, 15 games like the Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats did, I don't think that is something to crow about. No. Here's it, the it, thing. Go ahead, Charles. Just going to see. Super teams win Grey Cups. Hamilton did not win a Grey Cup last year. So we can put, shut down all the super super team discussion until they win a Grey Cup. Because wow. until, as a matter of fact, uh, until they win one, 
you can't be called t- talking about a super team. You, you can't do it unless they, they won even, three. Yeah. As a matter of nice fact, they weren't even in the Grey Cup last year. Hamilton? Technically. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Yeah, they no, were. They Hamilton were. against Winnipeg. No, the, okay. Well, he's saying they, they got weren't, blown out. They weren't in the Grey Cup last year, guys. They uh, didn't show uh, up. They didn't show up. That's a different yeah. thing. Sorry. It's nice to call them a super team based on paper. They don't play games on paper. So that's kind of irrelevant. Let them show what and they I, can do on the field and let them but, win some But in reality, I will be surprised if they don't dominate this year. Oh, they probably will. They've built a very solid team. Yep. I just I just noticed Phil's not online anymore. Oh. Yeah, he te- gave, he sent you his number already. He wants you to call him back. Yeah, I've, I've phoned him. I'm I'm putting him into the box. We'll see if it it worked. Okay. Uh, I, I he hangs up more than anybody I know. I don't know, Phil. You there? Phil, I'm here. That was another. I'm here. That was another purely by accident hang up. I wasn't upset with anything you said, Christopher. Wasn't me that you were upset with. It was Will. Um, no, that's why he hung up on you. That's beside the point. Anyhow, yeah, it's kind of. I yeah, you hung up on me once, didn't you? When I said that the, yeah, the 2009. Yeah, you're picking on about the 13 guys. Yeah, yeah, that was fun though. Guys. And, and yeah, I love getting the reaction like that out of people. So you weren't taking a Absolutely. piss or anything like this, and and hung up the phone by mistake, or like you did. You've done that before, no, no, I think. No, no, nothing, nothing that complex. No, no, not like last time. Okay. Don't do it anymore, okay? I really don't pay much attention to other things on my screen. I'm just kind of in la la land. So I, I, I may have missed you there for the rest of the show. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what's going on? Okay, so Phil, what's your take on this Hamilton Tiger Cat Super Team? Well, I'm going to disagree probably with most people on the panel because I believe they do have a super team. And, no, they have a good team. You know, going into going they into free good agency, I, I I thought they had the best team in the league, and I thought there's no way after they had added and retained so many pieces of the puzzle. But the day they signed Larry Dean, that was it for me. I threw my hands up in the, in the air and said, well, that's it. We're going to see the Hamilton Tiger Cats in Saskatchewan, in Regina, at the Grey Cup in 2020. Mm. I still say they're good on paper. Let's see them do it on the field. There's been lots of teams that have gone out and brought in a lot of high-priced talent. And for some reason, they just don't gel. It happens. So I'm not going to announce them the best team in the CFL until I see them play some games and beat teams. Good point. Good point, Charles. They're the best team on paper, and and yeah, it's not even by a little. But the yeah. but the game's not played on paper. So let's 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 dial it back a little bit before we start anointing them a super team. But I got to say, I haven't seen this since. 2013 Saskatchewan Roughriders. When they, if you remember in 2013, uh, when they bought everybody, seven or five of six of the top free agencies, free agent players signed in the first two days, and they were listed as the top six in the CFL. Right, and that's the the year that Saskatchewan Roughriders went over the salary cap. 
by $16,000. I don't care how much they cheated. You broke a rule, that's cheating. I don't care whether it's in for a penny, in for a pound. I don't give a shit. You're over the cap, you're over the cap. Right? So they cheated to win the Grey Cup. Yeah, well, lots of teams have been over the cap in the past. No. No. There's only been seven teams over the, over the cap in the CFL since the cap was initiated. Montreal Alouettes, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Hamilton Tiger Cats, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders four times. And we don't have the numbers yet from, from 19, do we? We do not. And, and believe me, if the BC Lions are over the salary cap for 2019, I'm going to be screaming at the head office. And Boy, I don't care what anybody off. says about it. Because I don't appreciate my team cheating. Okay? So... Uh, I, I will take them to task. I'm not sure anybody in Saskatchewan took their team to task because they were just happy with a Grey Cup. Yeah. And that was the comments that I get with them from most of the fans was, well, we won the Cup. And I said, you cheated to do it. In fact, you had to cheat in the last one you had before, too, which was when was it? That was the... Uh, 2007. 2007, they were over the cap when they won the Grey Cup. They absorbed the penalties and the fines that were built into the system for it. And they were so mildly over the cap. I mean, the penalties and fines were, were, were not significant. And, and those penalties I, I and fines were free to murder. all nine teams in the league. What was that? All nine teams what? The, the penalties and fines are agreed upon by all nine teams in the league when they set out the rules. You know, right. The board and, and I don't have a problem with that. I do not have a problem with what the penalties are. I don't have a problem with anything else. I have a fact that if you go break a rule, there are consequences to it, right? So you guys are okay with the consequences. That means you're okay with the concept of cheating. That, that, that's just my point, okay? You, if, if you cheat, you, there's a consequences, right? I'm okay with speeding because I'll pay the fine. I do it, okay? doesn't mean I didn't break a law. Okay, it wasn't murder, but I still broke a law. I'm just okay with the consequences. Okay? It's kind of like so NASCAR. You, you get caught NASCAR with your, your different throat plate on it, you cheated. Okay? Personally, down in NASCAR, you get disqualified. I kind of would like to see that in the CFL. You get caught cheating, you get disqualified. So, but that's so not if part you get of the a rule. speeding ticket... If you get a speeding ticket, what should what should you choose? Should you pay the ticket, or you should you decide not to drive again, and sell your car? Well, did I did I at, at any one point in time say that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders should fold up their team and 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 not play anymore? Did I? You're just saying that the neighbor, neighbors should say their car is. I don't. I don't. We're not going I, I don't, with I, Yeah, I don't think you could find any logic in that argument. It, it's simple. If you break a rule and you do it on purpose, you're cheating. Okay? And you cannot – and I'll tell you what. If your general manager doesn't know that he's over the salary cap, 
he shouldn't be a general manager. He's not doing his job at that point. And, and when your team goes over the salary cap four times, you have built a culture of cheating in the organization because it has become acceptable. The complexities of salary cap management are such that, that it, all teams run up close to the line and with injuries and everything else going on, they don't actually manage that themselves. They've got people that, that are responsible just for managing the salary cap. And okay. uh, those people do get replaced. When that happens, they get replaced. And, I actually uh, call bullshit on that one because for the simple fact that not all teams run up to the top of the salary cap. For the most years, Wally Buono is going to be penalized for being too low in his salary cap. And he actually has to do, issue bonuses early so that he doesn't get a penalty for being below the bottom. There's a, a, there's a floor to the ceiling, uh, salary cap. I don't know if you know that. There's yeah, a but ceiling. Wally Buono has been in an enviable position of, uh, of winning the second, or at least his, his franchise has been in the enviable position of winning the second most games in the CFL over the last 11 years. Correct. Uh, so much like John Hothnagel here in Calgary, uh, he's, once, you, once you get ahead, you sort of have that advantage. And like you said, you can pay those, those bonuses out early to retain players. And we see that happening all the time. Uh, you know, if there's cash left at the end of the year and you have a, a Mike Riley or a Bo Levi Mitchell on your roster, you'll, give him, you'll, re, you'll rewrite his contract to give him $50,000 early so you can reduce his salary from 700000 next year or seven twenty five. dollars down to six fifty or six hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. We've seen that this off season. Exactly. So, I don't have a problem with that. That is what happened when you have a well managed team. My point and being it's like is when you have the most chips on the poker table, you can you can be a bully. That doesn't make sense. I I agree. Having the most chips on a po- on a poker table, you can be a bully. I agree with that statement. I don't know how that reference goes towards this. Well, if, if, like, if you fail to take advantage of that, then, then you wouldn't be much of a manager is really what I'm saying. Well, they do take advantage of that, okay? But my point being yeah. is that they don't go over the salary cap. In fact, they almost go under it. And if they don't do their bonuses, they would be under it. So that means that they're bringing in a competitive. If not, I mean, as you said, BC Lions and Calgary Stampeders have got the most wins in the last decade without question. And they've done it with the lowest salaries. And then- and, and, which okay. kind of uh, addresses my point or confirms my point. Once you're in that position, and, and that's why uh, Brendan Tamman was not as successful uh, CFL uh, general manager. What did he do after the 2013 Grey Cup? He rewarded very popular veterans with bigger contracts and longer contracts and crippled the organization. It's difficult to give people bigger contracts when you're already over the salary cap. That's true. And to be, and to be true, he, and to be fair, he managed it by, by also posting some of their salaries the previous year into 2012 as well. And that was he, some he good he management. He also did so it by, uh, by paying a lot of his 
his O lineman uh, their bonuses in cash under the table too. And oh, I don't that, believe that. Oh, that was proven. Oh, no. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I know. Was, even Ryder fans. We're, we're getting right off track. Oh, even oh. Ryder fans will tell you that one because they they were bragging about it in the bar one night with a thousand, uh, with a hundred witnesses. Yeah, no, no. and, and, oh, and no. it went to the no, league office. Track. I actually have an email from the league about it. Now we're no, off track. We're going to be in We're talking back now, bro. Okay. We're, of course we're off track. Uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats are not a super team. That's end of that discussion. Let's move on. Um, with the XFL in full swing and the lack of overlapping schedules, should players be allowed to play in both leagues? Well, I have a simple question. Why wouldn't they be allowed to play in both leagues? We have players playing in both the NFL and the CFL in the same season. They go down there, play in the NFL, they get cut, they come back to BC. Or they come back, not BC, they come back to the CFL. That's happened every year that I can remember. Right? Players end up in the CFL after the Great Cup. They can end up down on an NFL team for the playoff run. Why, why would the XFL be any different? Why should we prevent people from playing the XFL, especially when they don't overlap? Now, my problem with this means is that you're now putting, what, 20 25% more games into your year? And, what is, and, and we only have an 18-game schedule because it is um, detrimental to the health of the players so if they're playing an extra 8 or 10 or 12 games down in the XFL and then coming up here and playing 18 games and we're on the back half of that, does that mean that our players or the, these, these players that have played both seasons are now more susceptible to injury and they're being injured while they're on the roster of a CFL team, they're not being injured while they're on the roster of an XFL team because of fatigue and stress because um, the CFL is the back half of that. Uh, does the CFL now put in a, a clause that it says if the, you're in the XFL, we're not responsible for your injuries in the CFL? Well, the Players Association would lose their shit over that one. But in reality, uh, it, 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 it's, it's realistic. It's, it's a realistic concern that, that this player has now got more mileage on his body in one year. Now, it may be relevant to certain positions more than others. But should we stop people from playing in both leagues? No. But I think that we have to take steps to protect the CFL for players that do this and are are not capable physically of doing it. Or not, either not capable or, or something happens to them. And I, I, that would concern me more uh, about the financial st- stability of the CFL. But I, I don't see why we would stop them from doing that. If uh, Derek Dennis wants to go down to the XFL, play a bunch of games, then come back to the CFL and wait for a roster position or to see if somebody's going to jump at him or wait for an injury and then, and then sign on with a team. I have no issue with that. If Darrell Walker right now wants to go down and play on the XFL and at the end of that time turns around and says, well, I'm coming back to the CFL, what team wants me? Uh, I think a lot of teams would clear, clear some space, cap space and roster space for Darrell Walker after he's finished a, a run in the XFL. 
would that happen with the majority of players? No, I don't think the majority of players are capable of, of, of playing 20 games or sorry, 30 games in a season. And, and I don't think the talent is there for them to be able to do that. It's a diff, it, it's a very difficult situation to be in, but I don't think we should prevent people from playing in both leagues. Just know that they're they're going to be a rotational player, or they're not going to be a a, a front line player for you up here because there's not going to be that much ta- uh, fuel in the tank at the end of this that hard season. Charles, what's your thoughts on this one? Well. I don't think you're going to see the top guys going down because, quite frankly, you're not going to have a guy under contract to a team in each league. Uh, Once the CFL contract signs, you can't just go down and sign an XFL contract at the same time. Uh, But, I mean, my biggest concern is the wear and tear on the player's body. I think you kind of said that there. I think that's where the real problem comes in is that – that's going to cause more injuries. And if a guy's playing in the XFL first, if he plays 10 games in the XFL, by the time he gets to the CFL season, he's already got pretty much a, a full season of football underneath him. And then he's got to go and play in the CFL again. And this is where he would definitely concern me because of the, um, the wear and tear on the body of the, uh, on the body of the player. I mean, I have no problem with players doing it, but if they're playing a full XFL season, which is 10 games, and then they play a full CFL season, which is 18 games, and that's not including playoff games, people are going to start breaking down after that. It's just uh, that's where the issue comes in is how effective are they going to be. Hey, William? Well, I don't disagree with anything you said, Christopher. You know, one of my biggest things that I've oft, I've talked about on the podcast before is is if you guys remember, you know, 30, 40 years ago, guys used to come to training camp out of shape, and they used training camp to get into shape. Correct. And you don't you don't everybody is in shape all the time now, and I think that. I think that is a major cause of injuries because your body, you know what? You can work out as much as you want. Your body still needs as much rest. And I don't think there's a lot of guys out there who could play a 30 game schedule. I mean, if you think about, well, a nine game schedule in the XFL and an 18 game schedule in the CFL, you know what I mean? I I do. But don't you remember a time when the players used to play defense and offense? Well, yes, yes, but they still only played X amount of games. Okay, yeah, but I think played twice as many plays. I, yeah, but I, they say at the end of every year, every player is nicked up in some way, shape, or form. Okay, and yeah. they 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 need that off season to rest. And I mean, you think about defensive linemen and offensive linemen getting banged on on every single play. I don't think they have the capability to do it. Maybe you're going to see the odd, you know, receiver, defensive back maybe, but I would think more so receiver that might be able to do it. 
but I don't I don't think it's an option. I really don't. And I and I tend that one of the things I was going to say at the beginning of the podcast is you know you you got this XS, XFL as a different league where guys can go to and SJ Green has gone there and Derek Dennis has gone there and there's another receiver that went there. Amani um, Edwards. Amani Edwards. Edwards yeah. Yeah. Okay, SJ Green is 31. Okay, and I can see guys like that going there. Okay, he, but he may now have got example, a CFL contract. Right. A perfect example is Siante Evans. Okay, two years ago he tried to make it in the NFL. It didn't work out for him, and so he went to the Alliance of America Football League, and he played there. And once that went bankrupt, he came to the CFL. He was a free agent this year, and he always talked about playing in the States. He'd like to play in the States. Notice he didn't sign in the XFL. He stayed He stayed in the CFL. He signed with, I think he signed back with Montreal. And so maybe these guys that were looking at the option of playing in the States for $54,000 or whatever the crap it is, maybe it's not that rosy anymore. And I think it just makes the CFL stronger, to be honest with you. And if you wanna, if you wanna take our has-beens, I mean, I still think it would be crazy to pay an SJ Green two hundred thousand dollars a year to play football in Canada, when you could probably get two guys younger, faster, stronger, and cheaper. Maybe not as good as him, but you're getting two for one. So yeah, that's the way I would go. And the other thing is. You know, you're thinking they might bring some of these XFL guys here because of injuries. Well, if you're a competent XCFL team, you have guys on your practice roster that can fill in, okay? Next man up mentality. They're not on the practice roster for nothing. I mean, Calgary's always used it as a development thing, and they've developed many guys on their practice roster. And so I, I don't know if it's a viable thing, and maybe some teams will do it, but I think the majority will not. Well, it, it depends on the player and, and the situation sure. and what you're in, okay? Last sure. year, or the especially the year before, Calgary Stampeders just went through O-linemen like water. If there was a Derek Dennis come out of the XFL that was available of a higher caliber and experienced, more seasoned player than the guys that are on your practice roster, Calgary would have jumped at the situation. Okay, And and, and that's what's going to happen with Derek Dennis this year if it happens in the CFL. And it usually happens where one team blows through two in a very short period of time. And and then – and then that there's a space and there's a, a you know an, basically an open call for for linemen because you don't know what he's on your own line. But the other thing I'm also thinking, okay, there's still lots of available players out there who didn't necessarily play in the XFL. Well, of course, remember twenty two thousand NCAA players graduate every year. So there's got to be some other quality players out there rather than using a guy in two leagues. If I'm a GM, I wouldn't touch them unless I knew they no, could make I my team either. better. 
Okay? Right. Unless they could make my team better, like a Darrell Walker. Okay? But a Derek Dennis yeah, isn't going to make my team that much better. Well, no. And the other thing you got to look at is if you're, you know, is is a guy coming from, you know, I don't know, when does the XFL season end, Charles? Do you know? April, uh, April. Late April. Late April. Okay. It, it's a possibility. There's no doubt about it. You know, they they their season ends before our training camp opens. About three yep. weeks, I think. Right? Yep. So, you know, I'm not going to say they get time to heal up, but they don't also need as, as vigorous a training camp as what others do because they've already just played a season. They need more time resting and recovering than they do trying to get up on up to speed on things. And you're 100% right, Will. I mean, the players used to come in out of shape. They'd quit smoking and quit drinking the day before training camp starts, and then they would come to training camp, work their asses off, and then go play football. The good old days. Yeah, the good yeah. old days. Guy Lafleur on the on on the bench, smoke a cigarette between shifts for the Montreal Canadiens. You know, I mean, the, the, other, the other thing is, the other thing is, say a guy ends his XFL season, and three weeks later he signs with another team. Yeah. And two weeks into training camp, he gets a season injury. Season ending injury. You're on the yep. hook for his contract. Uh, yeah. Exactly. That's the and problem. I don't think GMs are going to that. Take that was chance. my big point. And Not as right. a GM, I wouldn't touch him. No. Nope. Something here, gentlemen, you well, haven't touched on in that body. Uh, XFL contracts are two years, and uh, these players, unless they're released, are not. They're, they can't come back to the CFL, as far as I understand. Are you sure they're two years? They're two years, and it's specific. I know and they did that last and, year. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've seen, well, a, sure seen a story on that about five weeks ago, four or five weeks ago, where uh, the uh, XFL has refused to uh, cooperate with the CFL. In other words, they won't recognize our contracts, and they will not uh, release uh, players to be available to the, specifically the CFL if they're still under contract for the second year of the XFL. I, I'm ripped through the uh, the thing on you know, my mixing up XFL oh, right now. Stuff. I remember the AAF last year uh, guaranteeing two-year contracts. Actually, it was three years, Charles. Was it three years? It was three years. I was looking and, at and it. Because I'm they were still under right contract, now. even though the league folded, the players weren't allowed to come back to the CFL because they were still considered under contract. And until the right, yeah, at the yeah, court the uh, made them. all contracts null and void, they weren't allowed to yeah. sign with CFL teams. Uh, I don't see anything in the uh, XFL that says that. I'm not saying you're wrong, Bill. I'm not saying that. I'm just not finding it. One one thing to to think about this gentleman is. It's not like the XFL had six-month lead-ups like the NFL does for training camp uh, with workout windows, et cetera, and, and full contact, you know, uh, a month before, in, in some cases, in their June workouts, uh, uh, six weeks before training camp even. Uh, so these players are not going to be physically drained. 
And unless they're starters at linebacker or the offensive line, uh, I don't think they're going to be physically physically drained. And you take like a Darrell Walker who doesn't doesn't receive a lot of contact in the style of his play. He's much like a Deron Carter in that way. He's another good example. Um, I think he wouldn't have any trouble coming back from a ten game starting every every single game if down there and then coming back to the CFL and starting week one. In my opinion. Okay. If I could uh, go forward with this one. The XFL uses a standard foreign contract paying uh, $2,725 per week for each player in the active roster, uh, 1040 of which is guaranteed. A uh, $2,222 victory bonus is paid to the players of the each game's winning team. This feature is carried over from the original XFL. The contracts expire at the end of the season, freeing players to sign with other leagues. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. So that all contracts expire at the end of April of this year. Be an issue. <clears throat> Plans for the league to offer contracts between one and three years of in length. The signing for a longer-term contracts would make the player eligible for a loyalty bonus above and beyond the tiered salary. In return, the player would not be allowed to play in any other league during the spring, summer, or autumn months nor is the contract guaranteed. The salary cap for the players is $4 million per team. So the salary cap is less than that than what the CFL is. Mm-hmm. Plans were, and that means that they, they were not insti- instituted so it it longer contracts there is no contract in the in the XFL that's longer than if that does longer than April of this year they all expire and everybody is a free agent it's going to have some real implications in the XFL for continu- uh, consistency year to year mhm if your entire team is a free agent and you they're signing contracts with the league not with a team I don't know how it's going. To... I think it's just it's it's gimmicky. Yeah. I'm not sure how that's going to work out there. Okay, uh, let's move on from the. Uh, Will, did you uh, cover what you wanted to talk about with the XFL yep. here, or yep. would you like to yep. bring something yep. else up? No, You're good? I'm good. It's okay. actually been quite good football. I thought too. I've watched it. I, I haven't had the opportunity to watch it. I, I just I can't make time for it. Uh, but uh, everything I've heard from people is that it's been it's been pretty good football. It's not like the Alliance League was. So, but I've also noticed that the uh, the TV ratings have actually plummeted from week one, week two, week three, week four. They have, but uh, to be honest, that's to be expected. They were always going to have a huge, there's always that curiosity factor. But if they're getting like 6 million viewers a week, they're still pretty good. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to stay up around 12 million. 6 million viewers isn't that much. Well, for a startup league with very little history, I think it is. Yeah. 
I don't I don't know what the top numbers were, but the the reduction per week has been very very similar to what happened to the AAF last year. In the fifty percent range, they they their first week was twelve million views, and now now it's down to six. Total, yeah. So week two was like 10 million, then it dropped to eight, then it dropped to six. So it's pretty much systematic. It's failing. It's it is falling. It's definitely in the wrong direction. It, it, if, it's, if it, it platforms, if it levels out at that six million six million viewers, uh, it has some. Uh, it, it, it can maintain some stability, but if it continues to plummet, like you, you know, your analogy with the Alliance League, will it last the season? I don't know. We'll see what happens. Okay, moving on. This is another fun subject. Uh, we don't have a lot of time left. We've kind of used this up. So um, the city of Halifax, uh, they're not the, – the city of Halifax is not prepared to put up the $200,000 that the CFL has requested for the touchdown Atlantic game. <laughs> Why was there an announcement of a touchdown Atlantic game without the financing all in place? Why do you have to run to a microphone and a camera to announce something that you're doing that you're not doing? I, I, I just I don't understand this management of the CFL at all. Zero. Everything about this has been rushed. It, it has, but the question I have is: Will will the failure of two hundred thousand dollars from the city of Halifax interfere with the production of the game? Does this just mean that the league has to put out more money, and this is it going? Oh, we'd like to have this money. If we get it, we get it. If we don't, we don't. I'm okay with that concept, but if this is imperative for the the league to get, they asked two hundred thousand from the city of Halifax and a hundred thousand from the province of Nova Scotia. I don't know whether they're going to get that one either. It just is Bush League. It's just, it, it's an embarrassment. I, I would, I would have my tail between my legs if this came out. Well, you can ask Randy, can't you? When you see him, <laughs> I can, I can. It just seems like they're trying to force it. Yeah. Like I mean, it, it it's ridiculous because everything uh, is should be telling them that this Halifax pipe dream is a really bad idea. Nothing has gone right with regard to this, but yet they keep pushing it. I don't know why. Who are the two teams playing this year? Is it Winnipeg and Saskatchewan? No, it's Saskatchewan, Toronto, I believe. Saskatchewan and Toronto. Probably. Yep. So, I mean, this this game might be a mild success. In fact, that it, you know, it, this the stadium has a maximum capacity of just over ten thousand people. Uh, and most of them could be rider fans that are, are traveling. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's happened before with the Hamilton Toronto games when both Hamilton and Toronto had relevant teams in the Eastern Division. Uh, Toronto's not very relevant anymore, and. Uh, and last year, or last time that they did this touchdown Atlantic, they had uh, Toronto and Montreal, who both missed the playoffs that year. Um, and their fan base did not travel, and the game was a, basically a failure. No. 
so so this year they picked the Riders, who they figure has the best fan base in, in the CFL, and figured that their fans would travel to make themselves look better. I mean, I understand the logic behind it, but it's so transparent, it's ridiculous. Any any idiot can see right through this one. Anything you want to say on Halifax, Phil? Cut down the Atlantic? The only thing I want to say is, you, you guys on the panel all know that I've, I've supported the Halifax thing all winter long. And I've supported Randy Ambrosi even when I knew I shouldn't, just because I didn't think it was it was time yet to start to uh, criticize our, our commissioner. And I wanted to give him a chance to speak and everything without without making much commentary. I thought, oh, he has a vision and he's smarter than me. But after uh, getting $20 million commitment from the city, which uh, I've made a point of saying is really pittance, it's still a free stadium, even at 12,000 seats for the city of Hamilton. After getting that commitment, which was not easy for council to do, no. Why would they come back now and ask for $200,000? If they hadn't thought about their long-term vision and the touchdown and planning was important to it, why would they come back now and ask for 200000 and risk what is what is happening? Yeah. This has been a public relations fucking nightmare. This should have been done long before uh, any announcement was made. They should have had this in place already. Ridiculous. No, you're right, Charles. And Christopher, I hope on Monday you can take that question to the commissioner, and I hope there's a way we can all listen in uh, to that uh, roundtable that you're going to have. Yeah, I I don't know about either of those things. I don't know if that's a question I want to ask Randy Ambrosi. I don't think I can hurt it politely enough. They might kick you out. Yeah. Just wait till late in the program, and then it, it doesn't matter if they kick you out. <laughs> I, I'm sure the question's going to be asked to somebody else. It, it it would have to be. I mean, he is going to address the Hamilton Halifax te- uh, team, so we'll we'll see what happens. And I, if I have the opportunity to talk to him about it, I'll see what I do. I got bigger fish to fry with him right now. <clears throat> Much bigger fish. Speaking around it, Randy Ambrosi, he's uh, currently on his cross country road trip visiting all the CFL cities. Is this more of a PR move? No, I, I think this is what he has to do. And, and the commissioners have done this before. Randy Ambrosi, I, I, I've actually seen him uh, at the BC Lions event, uh, what, two two years ago, Charles, was it? Two years ago? Yep. Three? Um, yes. Yeah, I got my picture taken with him, everything, when he was introduced as the CFL commissioner. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Orridge did the same thing. He had a road trip. He, he, he went to every every city and I, I had some time speaking with him in, in uh, Club Orange uh, anyhow this is the end of the show so we're going to wrap this up in a couple seconds here uh, anybody real quick what do you think on the Randy Ambrosi's road trip do you think it's a PR move or do you think it's something that he should be doing William go ahead well it's something he should be doing because he has brought in CFL 2.0 and we are getting more exposure elsewhere I just don't think it should be in Halifax. Correct. Charles, go ahead real quick. 60 seconds. I think it's I'm not a bad thing to be, for him to be out there. I think it's um, 
I think it's a good thing to get out and at least talk to the people. Okay. And you agree with that, Phil? Because I'm going to do uh, it. Absolutely. I'm glad he's going. Okay. This has been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 424. I've been your host, Christopher Jones, and I'm wrapping this one up with 30 seconds left. Charles, say good night, and we'll see you guys next Wednesday, uh, next Tuesday, next Tuesday night. Yep. Good night, folks. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Phil, be quick, be brief, go. Go, Riders. Go, Riders. William, say good night. Good night, everybody. Go, Owls. Yeah, and uh, just because Mark's not here, BC sucks. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.